My name is Lauren Garoni. My name is Chelsea Fairless. And we're back IRL in front of each other. And just like that, we're back from our vacations. It's so nice to see you. It's wonderful to see you as well. I I would just like to clarify, I was on a family trip. (laughs) (laughs) So it wasn't super relaxing and fab? No, I mean, because my family, as I learned, does listen to this podcast. It was wonderful and relaxing. It's just, you know, a family trip is different than vacation. Because you were visiting your grandparents and they're like kind of old. I mean, 90 and 95, but they don't look... (laughs) They don't look a day over 84. (laughs) I also went to South Florida, which is where, you know, old people on the East Coast go. Where they go to super spread. Actually, COVID's over. We're, we're not into that anymore. Was anyone wearing masks? Oh, no. That that fell by the wayside within four hours. We were keeping up pretenses. And then people look at you like you're the weirdo. And so I just took a mask off. And Yeah, I mean, well, no one, no one in New York was wearing masks. No one in Provincetown was wearing masks. And now that I've come back to LA, no one here is wearing masks. So it's a new era. But the outdoor restaurants are still subpar. Yeah, the outdoor restaurants still fucking suck. It's so rough being back here. I'm glad that I was in New York for two weeks because if I had just been there for four days, I would have been like, fuck, like I'm moving back. Like the vibe is so good. Everyone's so hot, etc. But since I was there for two weeks, I was like, oh no, I love LA. It's about like visiting there three times a year. Well, fuck, I didn't even talk. I haven't talked to you since I went to P-Town, really, have I? No, so truly, I landed a few hours ago, and we Yeah, sat- Lauren's fresh off, fresh off JetBlue. And we decided to record a podcast, because we can't, we can't leave you wanting. Yeah, we're late this week. Sorry, guys. Also, sorry about the audio quality from last week's app. That was, that was on me. Lauren did figure out how to properly record it, but I just couldn't be bothered to like correctly plug my mic into my computer. So it's, it's, we, next time it'll be better. Okay, what story didn't you tell me? Oh, fuck. Um, Provincetown. So I love Provincetown. I've been going there every summer for like the past 10 years now, something like that. Um, Thanks for the invite. But I don't think you want to be like... Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Like you'd want to go home at like 2 a.m. and like everyone else would be like raging and like wouldn't be the vibe. That's true. I'm that crazy person who at 3 a.m. is like, I think I'm going to go home and everyone is like, you missed it at 5 a.m., man. Yeah. I mean, it's... Provincetown is the best. It's like... I go with my friends every year. It's so it's so special and so fabulous and just like a really highly specific sort of queer enclave in Cape Cod, but it's infested with a sickness. Oh no. Which is bachelorette parties. Okay? Because think about this. No one could get married last year. Right. So every fucking basic Boston bitch is like going to P-Town to like have their bachelorette party because they love drag race and like whatever, which would be fine, like not mad, but they don't know how to act. They shriek. They're wearing like nasty sweatshirts from Etsy that they all got made that match and like Canal Street Wayfarers that all match. And it's like a really whack vibe. Well, this is a phenomenon that also plagues Los Angeles, specifically the Abbey, which I think they did ban bachelorette parties, right? They did and they should in Provincetown, but like it's a question of like, you know, a lot of businesses there barely made it through the pandemic and like maybe aren't in the position to turn away that much business. It's crazy. It's like we went to tea dance, which is like the thing that you do in Provincetown. It's like a outdoor dance party, whatever. And there were so many bridesmaids that it's like the brides were coming up to each other and like congratulating each other and shit. And like standing in a circle and doing that dance where they're like, woo, woo. So if you're a straight woman that's thinking about having a little Provincetown vacay, that's fine. That's good. Just like maybe tone it down a notch. Keep it chill. Keep it cute. Don't freak out. Well, maybe you need to be a better ally to the straight women who are keeping these queer establishments alive. No, these people are sick. Like, even Stephen Smith, like, yelled at a group of them at a restaurant that we went to because they were being so loud and obnoxious. It's, like, basic common courtesy. I will say, having traveled amongst the masses, I do feel like, and what you're explaining with the bachelorette parties existed pre-pandemic, but we've forgotten how to behave as people 
yeah is what i've noticed being out in the world no no spatial awareness and this is not my social skills are like severely lacking (laughs) i think i think i've gotten better though i think that trip really helped like seeing my friends and like getting out of this sort of pandemic bubble where i only talk to you and Mm -hmm. tatiana and your dog and my dog are you happy to be reunited with your dog i am i am i mean i think he had like mild ptsd from being in the place that we left him even though it was like the bougiest nicest they run outdoors like place you could leave a dog but still it's like he kind of was a shell of the person for like a hot minute but i think he's better now he walked right into my place and went directly to my dog and started humping him so he's back to normal Can I just say something that I noticed on on the plane? And this has nothing to do with plane etiquette. It's just something I've noticed specifically with straight men, which I'm sure so many straight men listen to this podcast, but it's like so many. (laughs) They're hanging from the rafters. If you are going to wear a sweatshirt, you have to learn to take it off without somehow also taking off your t-shirt. Have you ever seen this phenomenon (laughs) where they pull their sweatshirt up and you see their fucking hairy belly and stuff? It's like how is your t-shirt fused to your sweatshirt when you take it off? Well, it's the fact that like we think about such things. Right. Like when we are wearing a t-shirt and also a sweatshirt, we're consciously like, oh, I have to like use one hand to like pull down my t-shirt so that I don't flash the entire airplane. You're saying that if men grew up with institutionalized catcalling, they would be (laughs) more aware of, you know, flashing their man titties? Uh, The thing that, like, really oppressed me about planes on my flight home was the fact that they charge so much to check a bag now. So everyone carries on, and everyone's carry-ons are, like, bursting to the fucking brim. Literally, on my flight, it was delayed for, like, an hour because someone was trying to put up their bag into the overhead compartment, and it fell, hit an 84-year-old woman in the head, and then she had to be, the medics had to come, the cops had to come, like, it was, like, a whole fucking thing. When really, they should just let us check bags because it's the same weight. The plane isn't any lighter because things are carried on. It's, like, so fucking dumb, and it just makes it so hard to like get on a plane because everyone's just like weightlifting these 80 pound carry-ons because they don't check that shit they don't weigh it anyway should we talk about things things and stuff it's Britney, bitch i'm really glad that i'm back in front of you because i was trying to talk about the minutia of free britney and my mom was like it's just it's really depressing lauren so i'd like to not talk about this and i was like you're not chelsea you don't understand <laughs> i mean it is really depressing it's sad. It's it's hard to put a fun spin on this because it's so dark and depraved. Did you realize that that audio was leaked? I mean, I know that it's everywhere, but that wasn't officially supposed to get out. That's leaked audio. Oh, really? Okay, so to back up, if you're the one person that like did not know that this happened, I guess a 24-minute audio of Britney Spears leaked apparently of her talking to a judge begging the judge to free her from the conservatorship that has plagued her since 2008. Yeah, 13 years. uh, Which basically has given her dad control of her life, her finances, you know, robbing her of her sanity, her will to live, etc. Yeah, he's the conservator of her finances and of her person. I think the most horrifying thing because it was so unexpected was the revelation that Britney Spears has an IUD, was forced to have an IUD by her conservators, cannot take it out because they won't bring her to a doctor to to take it out because she wants to be married and, and have a child again. It's Handmaid's Tale shit, but like reverse Handmaid's Tale shit because their whole thing is they want to impregnate everyone in Gilead. But like Britney Spears is under like a very similar just... Draconian. Yeah. Yeah, I think... It's fucked up. I mean, God. But then again, it's like this... I mean, not the IUD, obviously, but it's like a kind of similar thing happened to another musical genius, Brian Wilson, who was basically like in a fucked up situation where he was over-medicated and just kind of like... His his life was controlled by his psychiatrist, who was also like his 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 legal guardian, And became his manager. Yeah, there's a... Uh, As portrayed by Paul Giamatti in uh, <laughs> in whatever that movie was. Love and Mercy. Love and Mercy. Paul Dano plays young Brian Wilson and inexplicably Brian Wilson as he gets older is John Cusack with black hair. Yeah. But that was also, sorry, an aside, but that's, you know, it's 
really horrifying to talk about the Britney Spears stuff, which we'll get into. But that was the year that Paul Giamatti played two evil musical producers. In what was the other one? Straight Outta Compton. Oh, I didn't see that. Anyway, guys, not to rain on people's parade, but I think in doing a kind of deep dive about this, this call was simply a status update. I think a lot of us thought like, oh, because we've been trained by films like Legally Blonde that this would be some watershed moment. And it certainly is within public opinion, but it was simply a status update. There's no official paperwork that's been filed to end her conservatorship. I didn't realize that since 2008, she's had a court-appointed lawyer. So she's paying for everyone's lawyers. She's paying for Jamie's lawyers, her mother's lawyers, and her own court-appointed lawyer. And the sort of catch-22 is, you know, she said in this proceeding that she does not want to submit herself to another evaluation. She felt like the last time she did that, it did more harm than good. But in order for her to be able to retain her own legal counsel, she would need to submit herself to an evaluation to prove that she's competent enough to know right from wrong and be able to retain her own legal counsel. But the point that she makes, which is the unique thing about her kind of conservatorship is usually for people who are older, who are mentally incapacitated, so they don't get taken advantage of. But her whole point, which is true, is how is it possible that I'm under conservatorship when I'm making these people money? Yeah. No, she's a cash cow for all of them. And it's like, honestly, I'm sure she is mentally unstable, but I don't care if she spends the millions of dollars she's made on meth and Bath and Body Works body spray. Like, it's her fucking money. She should be able to do whatever she wants with it. And her dad has been sort of gleaming onto her for entire life. It's sick. Honestly, like, I feel like meth would be a better investment than like a Jamie Spears. A residency in Vegas? Yeah. God, I mean, I remember I went to that Vegas show and I remember seeing her and thinking like that the light has gone out, that like maybe if you snapped like an inch away from her face, she wouldn't blink that kind of vibe. And it's like now it's like, yeah, she was probably on lithium, you know, having to do five shows a week in Vegas. It's fucked up. Did you see places like Us Weekly and Perez Hilton tweeting out Free Britney and promptly getting their asses handed to them by Twitter and being like, this you, Us Weekly? And they were showing, you know, all the heinous covers and... Yeah. Look, Us Weekly is always going to have a fond place in my heart, but Perez Hilton can get fucked as far as I'm concerned, you know? Well, I mean, this would be a great time for Us Weekly to preemptively be like, oh, we've looked back at our actions in this situation. and this To pull a Justin Timberlake. Oh, that motherfucker who was like, I just want everyone to know that me and Jess, my wife, are totally on Britney's side. It's like, fuck you. Yeah, don't bring your anti-vaxxer wife into this. <laughs> Just stay in Wyoming. We forgot you existed. It was better that way. Yeah. Speaking of people that maybe should have been self-reflective about their online behavior before it blew up in their faces, Chrissy Teigen? Oh, my God. Okay, so we haven't really talked about this on the pod, but Chrissy Teigen has been canceled, as I'm sure many of you know. Uh, She was canceled retroactively over messages that she sent to Courtney Stodden, as well as a tweet about Lindsay Lohan that hasn't aged particularly well. Target dropped her cooking line or something. They either dropped her or it was always going to happen and the timing is conspicuous. Okay, well, safely dropped her. Oof. (laughs) Look, Chris (laughs) allowed Tristan Thompson to come back time and time again, and we will get into that later. But she was like, Chrissy, you're done. I mean, it was truly, like, awful timing. You know why? Because Chrissy didn't marry into the family. That was the problem. I don't know. I Like, I'm not the hugest Chrissy Teigen fan. I actually, I like her, but I just, like, am not a Twitter person. So, like, I never really followed her on Twitter. I didn't really know that she had some, like, burgeoning cooking empire until that Alison Alison Roman Roman scandal of a couple of years ago. It was exactly a year ago. Oh, really? Like, all of this is happening 13 months after the whole Alison Roman thing. Wow, that's crazy. I honestly just think that it will blow over and people should get over 
over it. Is that terrible? It's not that it's terrible. It's just the lack of self-awareness. We seem to be in this new era of social media consumption where it's like the same environment that made Chrissy Teigen break out of just being a supermodel arm candy into this hashtag relatable model, whatever you want to say, is the same people that took her down. Yeah. I don't think they're different people. So anyway. No, they're fully the same people. You're right. Well, I thought those Courtney Stodden tweets were initially fake because I'm like, who tells someone to take a dirt nap? Yeah. I mean, as someone that enjoys, you know, a mafioso Joe Pesci performance, not even I would say in anger <laughs> that someone should take a dirt nap. Yeah, and I'm obviously like not defending what she said to Courtney Stodden. I just think that like the level of public shaming that she's experienced from this scandal is adequate punishment, right? Well, she's not doing herself any favors by, and this she did this even before the Courtney Stodden thing, where she keeps being like, everybody, I'm leaving social media, I'm gone. And then a day later, she's like, I'm back. Yeah, seriously, this, this is my PSA. If you're leaving social media, you don't need to tell me because you're going to be back in two seconds. Don't embarrass yourself. It's fine. No one needs to know. Like, you're real friends. Have your phone number. It's not that deep. But you know why they do it, though. And this goes for the girl you went to college with up to up to someone like Chrissy Teigen, which is the fear that people won't notice that they're gone if they don't announce that they're leaving. Yeah. So about a week or two after the Courtney Stodden debacle, she apologizes this fashion designer, Michael Costello, was a Project Runway contestant. I did, did you watch the season? I was just about to ask you. I didn't. No, I think I like I fell off Project Runway like after the Christian the Siriano, Christian Siriano yeah. season. I think whenever that was, but yeah, I had no awareness of him. So I guess he had a controversy around 2014 with some tweets that had racial slurs in them that he says were faked, and then he came out with a story that he says, you know, in 2014 I received a public comment from Christy Teigen on my Instagram accusing me of being a racist. He goes on to say that he slid into her DMs. He said, please, this is all a mistake. You have to believe me. And she said, no, I'm going to ruin your career. And he alleges that uh, her stylist, Monica Rose, blackballed him. Which is like kind of insane because what's Chrissy Teigen going to do to a fashion designer? Sure, she can tell like her handful of friends don't wear Michael Costello, but that shouldn't be like that hard for them since his gowns are ugly anyway. And like... (laughs) She's solidly B-list, right? Verging on A-list almost with John Legend pre-cancellation, right? But she's A-list couple famous. It's that Dax Shepard, Kristen Bell. Yeah, where they both like bring each other up vibe. And here's what I qualify at this point as A-list, which A-list, what it used to mean is an actor who could open any film, which doesn't really exist anymore. So now that's A-list is literally just Melissa McCarthy. And The Rock. So I qualify A-list of like, if my grandparents know them. And like my grandparents, because of commercials, would know a Chrissy Teigen and a John Legend. Yeah, I don't know. I just think it's kind of insane because like I said, B-list celebrities aren't wearing Michael Costello. Like he's not a good designer. Everything he does looks like it was made for like a Real Housewives promo shoot or like looks like it should be in some sad PR agency in downtown LA or something. It's not the vibe. So it's like to blame his lack of commercial success on Chrissy Teigen and Monica Rose it's like yeah she's a stylist but at this point isn't Chrissy Teigen like Monica Rose's like biggest client following Monica Rose's cancellation yeah and I guess John Legend came out and said that Michael Costello faked that entire DM exchange with Chrissy because the screen caps that he showed shows the new purple coloring of the messages which only occurred a year ago and right and her profile picture was different and like stuff like that or would have been different if the screenshots were yeah. from the correct time that they're alleged to be from. Yeah, right? I think it more signals the the state that Chrissy Teigen's brand, for lack of a better phrase, is in, where that story was semi-believable for a week. I don't know, though. When I first saw it and I showed it to Tat, I was like, I think he's lying. Right. There was something about it that was just off in the same way that, like... The Jesse Smollett. The Jesse Smollett thing was off, and, like, we were all just like... "Mm." Are these people that never learn to convincingly lie to their parents? Is this an only child thing? It's like, if you are lying, the less details. 
Yeah, well, it's also like figure out what Instagram looked like five years ago. Like get someone that's good at Photoshop. Like if you're going to commit to this grift, really commit. Don't half-ass it. Especially to be like the sad person that's sort of riding on the tail end of this Chrissy Teigen scandal. You know, it's like such a gross look for him. Do you think Allison Roman's just in her Brooklyn apartment just cackling? <laughs> Making fabulous like sheet pan chicken and figuring out what next uh, Instagram famous shallot based recipe she's gonna make. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's honestly come out on top. Good for her, honestly. I still make her food. Is that problematic? This is the other problem. I was texting with my friend Kayla and it's like the reason that these people are falling as hard as they are is right whether it's an Ellen DeGeneres or Chrissy Teigen is they built their brand on being nice or relatable we are promising to be none of those things no we're nice and relatable but also like terrible you get us it's a mixed bag you have Liana Lewis what is this because I don't know this okay so this is a real like on the tail end of this Leona Lewis um I was trying to provide some context for her career, but I realized I couldn't besides the single Bleeding Love, which I believe was from the American X Factor. But anyway, Leona Lewis then came out on her Instagram stories. It was basically like Michael Costello is a piece of shit. He was supposed to dress me for some charity thing. And, you know, I had my people email him and tell them that I wasn't sample size. And then like he showed up with a sample, refused to alter it. And then basically just like, refused to dress me like ghosted me whatever and that he was a bully and an asshole which you know I'm sure he is and also I find it interesting in pop culture where we need to take a side it's okay to say team no one it's true this whole thing is a real team no one situation I don't even really know who to root for you know Allison Roman yeah we're introducing a new segment now our LBGTQIA plus roundup I can't even say the acronym. I was talking about this to Tat the other day. It's like I have dyslexia, but just for acronyms. Like I can never say LGBTQ. Is that what it is? It is. It's, no, it's LGBTQ. No, no, no. Well, I don't know. Did you guys decide to do it differently? Because I thought it was LGBTQ. You've put it in the doc as LBGTQ. Oh, is that not how it is? See, I don't even know how, I don't even know what it is, Lauren. Wow. Well, it's also like how I call like every SUV an SVU. Yeah. Um, you also don't know my birthday or didn't for a long time. Because it's the it, day after 420. <laughs> now I know. Because as you said, I confuse the spring months. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. I don't, I, I couldn't tell you what the order of the spring months are. I'll never know. I don't know. It's like for me, life stops at February and starts at June and like anything that's happening in there. I just, does anyone else have this problem? I honestly would love to know. Anyway, to begin with, <laughs> I think we've hit a new level of Architectural Digest home uh, viewings with this new Cara Delevingne one. This is so fucked. Like, I don't even have the vocabulary to describe what Cara Delevingne's house looks like. Do you? I mean, it's basically, I mean, I'm going to use old timey references, but if you're listening to this podcast, I assume you'll, you'll understand. It, it's like she was like, I want to be a lesbian Robert Evans. I mean, but she wishes. Everything is, it's like the furniture is all like Hollywood Regency by way of like an airport hotel or something. Like it's not, it's not correct. It's a Marriott Extended Stays version of Hollywood Regency. Exactly. It's like a Double Tree Express. Like the color palette is whack. Everything's so busy. She has like 10,000 throw pillows that have like sequin appliques of like tigers and rainbows and like shit it's kind of like she's the new Michael Jackson because it's like not in the pedophilia sense obvi but like in the like Martin Bashir interview where they go to Vegas and he's like I'll take that I'll take that I'll take that well in that sense but no more in the more in the sense that it's like I have a ballroom like I have a room for my funny hats and disguises like full on like children's shit so the reason that we're bringing this up is because while we were away our friend Maya texted in our group thread she was like guys have you seen this house tour? She has a pussy palace. Yeah, well, it's more like a arts and crafts vagina tunnel that goes like from one part of her house to another part of the house. 
I don't know. It makes me like really homophobic, honestly. It's like hard for me, you know? Well, I had a question as the as the het in the room. Was she alluding like, is that a room that that you would go down on someone or? I know. I think that's the room with the stripper poles. Okay. That again also looks like some sort of airport double tree situation. Honestly, there's no way she hasn't been to Jumbo's clown room. It's like if I had unlimited cash, I would just build a Jumbo's clown room in my own house. There's no way she hasn't been to like Crazy Horse in Paris. Like, right. why not just put that in your house? Like, that's the level that she's at. She's putting in like full poker rooms and shit. Also, is James Terrell the new Tracy Emin? Okay, we need to start making a checklist for shit in celebrities' homes. It's like the Tom Ford book, now seemingly the Coen Brothers book, which was in has been in a bunch of people's homes. And yes, owning a James Terrell. The James Terrell, which made like no sense with the rest of her house, because it's like, of course, that's all about minimalism. No, in color and form and like, she, you know. She has to have some rivalry with Kendall and was like, oh, if Kendall has a James Terrell, I'll have a James Terrell. Because she said the same thing that Kendall said. In Kendall's her- James Terrell is better. Is better. and But she said the same thing, which is, I just like to look at it. I do lots of Molly and I look at my James Terrell. Anyway, Cara, get a decorator, please. In the other end of the spectrum, Las Vegas Raiders defensive end Carl Nessib came out as gay, which made him the first ever active NFL player to do so, which... So does that mean that people, like, come out after they leave the NFL? Well, I think because the only other, like, quote-unquote, allegedly gay player I know of is Aaron Hernandez, who was in prison. Right. And his jailhouse lover said that he was gay. Okay, maybe not the representation that uh, the community needs right now. I mean, good for him. Yeah. He's kind of alleged for doing that. Speaking of representation we don't need, The View host Joy Behar, I guess, got into a little bit of trouble by saying... Uh, when covering the story, after they said penetration in the end zone, they lost me. Ha 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 ha. Did you watch it? Because you're an I avid. did. I did watch it. I did watch it. And like, I just want to say, like, first and foremost, Joy Behar is not the enemy. We have bigger problems as a community. And it's like, I'm sorry, but Joy Behar is never going to be woke. It's not happening. Like, she's 78, which means that she's probably actually 84. So it's like, it's fine. Also, it's like watching The View is like such a part of gay culture that it's like, we should probably let it slide. But at the same time, anal sex jokes are like sort of the only thing that straight comedians know how to do when faced with a news story like this. It's second nature because like people can't really separate gay men from anal sex and like they're horrified by it, but also like obsessed with it. Remember all the the fucked up jokes from um, the Brokeback Mountain award season? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal did an interview on Howard Stern a few years ago where... He was talking about how he wanted to make light of it during the press tour and Heath Ledger had impressed upon him of like, we shouldn't make any jokes about this. And in retrospect, he was like, oh, it was 100% correct. Because yeah. dumb shit like this, it's it's that and then like the joke, the like, the sort of expected jokes about like tops and bottoms, like that kind of shit. Like, can you imagine if gay people were this perverted about straight people? Like if I was like, ooh, like... J-Lo and Ben Affleck are back together. I bet J-Lo loves like sucking his dick. You know what I mean? Like it's like that's the tone though. It, it that's is. how it comes across like on the other side of things. It's also it's it, it, more the problem is it's just a really hacky joke. But jo- Joy what, Behar what? like hasn't like prepared like new material no. or even like done like the most basic preliminary research for like any episode of The View for like at least 15 years at this point, I would I would um, venture to say. And I guess she walked it back. I guess when they came back from the commercial break, she said, I just long for the days when you can just be gay in the world and it doesn't become a big deal. Weird, because she made it a big deal. But by the way, that inappropriate joke... But it's joke, like, when was that? <laughs> by the way, the inappropriate joke I made for daytime television, scratch that, make believe I never said that. We should find this and drop it in for when we say dumb shit. <laughs> Scratch that. Make person, believe I didn't say it. Well, the most fucked up thing wasn't even what she said was the reaction of other co-hosts. Like Anna Navarro, like put her ears, her fingers in her ears, like don't tell me about anal sex. I'm grossed out by it. And Sarah Haynes was like laughing uncontrollably. Only Megan McCain was like stone faced. Absolutely not. Not today, Joy. Anyway, speaking of gay news, we most certainly fuck with Todd Haynes has announced his new film. 
Yes. The past couple of weeks, the Cannes Film Festival marketplace has been going on. So a lot of films have been announced. They're either seeking financing or distribution deals. That's why we're hearing about a lot of these films. The film is called May, December. Logline is 20 years after their notorious tabloid romance gripped the nation. A married couple buckles under the pressure when an actress arrives to do research for a film about their past. So for some reason, when I initially read about this, I had assumed that Julianne Moore was an actress, but I I think she's just a normie. So the idea is that... Natalie Portman's the actress? Yeah. So the idea is that Julianne Moore is someone that had an affair with a much younger man. So I think it's more probably like a Mary Kay Letourneau type of thing. Ooh. And they're preparing for their twins that was resulted from this affair to go off to college when an actress played by Natalie Portman visits to start studying her. Okay, but wasn't wasn't there something else where it's like the lines become blurred or something? Yes, and as Elizabeth and Gracie study each other, the similarities and differences between the two women begin to ebb and flow. Set in the picturesque and comfortable Camden, May, May, December is an exploration of truth storytelling and the difficulties or impossibilities of fully understanding another person. When I first read that description, I was like, this is incredible because this movie is going to fall within a genre of movies that I really, really love, which is movies where two women sort of start becoming the same person or one takes on qualities of the other woman, kind of like Ingmar Bergman's persona, like Robert Altman's Three Women, like maybe even like a Black Swan, which, you know, I'm... I've never been like a ride or die Natalie Portman fan, but Black Swan holds such a special place in my heart that I'm really psyched to see her. Well, I'm really interested about the tone of the film because the project originates with Will Ferrell's production company, Gloria Sanchez. And then obviously Christine Vachon, who's produced basically everything Todd Haynes has ever done, uh, is also producing and Natalie Portman is coming on. So I wonder if it has a more I, Tanya-esque, darkly comedic tone. Yeah. Or is it like Carol 2? The caroling? Electric Boogaloo? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, obviously, it's like we love to see Julianne Moore in a, in another Todd Haynes film. Those have been among her best performances. And I think, like, wasn't Safe her, like, breakthrough performance? Or am I incorrect about that? Uh, certainly from an indie perspective. Um, well, we're here for it. I'm ready for this. But also, like, did you hear, speaking of other films, did you hear about this, like, Polly Pocket situation? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it was announced this week. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this. So it was announced this week that Lily Collins will be headlining a Polly Pocket film written by Lena Dunham. Written and directed, right? Ugh, I don't know. Whatever. Look, it, it was announced a few years ago that Margot Robbie was going to be in a Barbie film written written by Noah Baumbach and Greta Gerwig. Is that still happening? Where the fuck is that movie? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they announce this shit and then never do it. Just tell me when the first trailer comes well, out, okay? It's, it's also like I'm trying to just imagine how these women are like taking this like Mattel IP and like spinning it into like, a contemporary feminist tale about like Barbie or Polly Pocket or whatever. But I feel like in Lena Dunham's case, it kind of makes sense just because of her mother Lori Simmons' body of work, which is all just miniatures, miniatures and dolls and dollhouses and stuff. So like if it looks like a Lori Simmons photo, I'm I'm so fucking down. I just don't want it to be like a CGI nightmare. Well, and that's kind of what they did with another film that seemed unfilmable, but is actually kind of brilliant, is this the Lego movie that came out a few years ago, which that's kind of the plot, is it's a world within a world where Will Ferrell plays a guy with all of these Legos, and you sort of push into that world that has its own microcosm going on. What do you mean? Like, are the Legos, like, do they have consciousness? Yes, when you push into the, the world. Okay, I'm going to have to take your word. <laughs> I'm going to take your word on that. It was something like that. <laughs> I saw it on an airplane and I was like, oh, this isn't as stupid as I thought it was. See, that's the tone you need to hit is you don't make it uber serious. You you need. Well, I should hope that like the Polly Pocket movie starring Lily Collins isn't uber serious. I mean, at the very least, it's going to be size inclusive because Polly Pocket is a very tiny tiny person 
Well, there was a movie. I, I didn't end up seeing this film, although it's on my watch list, that had a Haley Bennett in it who was in that film we saw, Girl on the Train. And it's called Swallowed. And it's about a pregnant woman who can't stop swallowing things like tacks and paper. That sounds but, cool. But that's what I'm saying. Like, shouldn't that be the Polly Pocket? That would be so... <laughs> that's po- really dark. But, yes. But- no, this is going to be like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I can imagine like so many fun updates on that. And Polly will get lost and like she'll show up in a bowl of Cheerios or something, almost dying. Can you imagine Lily Collins like drenched in milk, holding on to a Cheerio like it's a lifesaver? So instead of Emily in Paris, it's Polly in Pocket? Wow. Um, but on bump. Some good fashion shit happened this week. I know you're happy. It's, it's been a mixed bag. <laughs> well, I know you're happy. Your beloved Richard Quinn is back after a year absence. I know. And thank God I was worried for a second there. You never know how many of those young British designers would like make it through the pandemic. But yeah, I really love him. I mean, the show itself isn't offering up a ton of new ideas. It's very much a greatest hits. There was some new stuff. Like there was like a monogram type print that was new. There were a bunch of white lab coats. There were like floral puffer coats that sort of felt like more of an extension of the Montclair collaboration that he did like pre-pandemic. It's great. The gowns are great. They're beautiful. I mean, I don't know if every... Model needed to be wearing a latex mask, but regardless of what you think of the styling, it's like the clothes are the clothes are really beautiful. I was waiting for when you were going to mention that. I'm like, you're really glossing over the fact that everyone was in a gimp suit, which I was in. I was with my family. Well, everyone looked like Catwoman, more to the point. We have like a very literal Batman Returns reference happening here. Oh, for sure. So there was a Richard Quinn also debuted a fashion film that coincided that the beginning felt very much like Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman from the film Batman Returns. Yeah, it was like mixed with some sort of technicolor golden age of Hollywood spectacle. But like, I, I couldn't do the movie. I can't. I just, I mean, you know, you know how I feel about fashion films. I feel like the medium is just like flawed, you know? It was 25 minutes. No, I'm not watching that. And I love Richard Quinn. It's not happening. I was looking at the, at the Vogue runway and my mom was over my shoulder and I was sort of explaining to her who Richard Quinn was and, and all of this stuff and I said blah 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 gimp mask and she said what's a gimp mask and I was like you know in Pulp Fiction when he says bring out the gimp she said I thought that was made up and I was like fair enough well to be fair they weren't really gimp masks because they didn't oh, they have, have the, the they didn't have like anything that covers the eyes or the mouth they were just kind of like rubber Catwoman style masks um, this is a perfect segue to the other show uh, that we're going to talk about, which is the Vuitton. Vuitton? Um, <laughs> Vuitton. Okay, the new Vuitton menswear collection. I mean, did I use the law of attraction to manifest these Batman Forever pieces into existence? Because if you listen to last week's episode, we discussed how Bottega Veneta should do a Batman Forever capsule collection inspired by the Riddler, where everything has question marks and... This guess actually, what? guess what? It happened, but in this Louis Vuitton show. Is Virgil Abloh stealing from us? He's stealing from everyone Do else. I need to DM Diet Prada about this? Because I need to be compensated for my ideas, not to mention my emotional labor. Um, I'm wondering, just, <laughs> just to go into to the films, because uh, Catwoman and the Riddler's costumes in these films come from the same the same thing, which is that they make their own costumes. Do you like that in a film? So Catwoman has, they establish in- Yeah, she made her own outfit. Well, they show her having- Like she's some sort of like latex couturier up in her like pastel ramshackle bachelorette pad. Yeah, she's somehow this mousy secretary that just happens to have a a PVC leather trench coat, which she then makes into the the costume. And I'm sorry, you can't do that shit with just like your mom's like singer sewing machine from like 1965 it's not happening well and then jim carrey's riddler costume is even crazier because they establish in his asymmetrical studio apartment that he has like a arcade machine where it's like you put in a quarter the idea is it you know came from whatever gotham's equivalent of coney island is and it's like you ask him a question oh okay yes i do remember this which is where the luggage prints are literally the the question marks from his original suit that's that he takes off of this arcade man that he just happens to have in his apartment, which is like, of all of the MacGuffins in superhero films, just let them have the fucking costume. I really don't, like, I love superhero films. I don't need a 20-minute exposition of how they made their fucking costumes. 
Really? I love that BTS shit. Do you? I'm not like, well, I'm not mad at it. But it's true. It's like, how is Batman? Like, who's, or is Alfred making his suits? Like, where's that shit coming from? Is Catwoman making that shit too? Well, we'll find out in the new Robert Pattinson one. God. Um, so does that mean that, you know, next season we're getting Batman and Robin? Like, is it all going to be about visible nipples or like? Probably because like his last, not the last menswear collection, but like spring of last year was also felt very Walter Van Berendonk inspired. I mean, I think inspired is a generous term, but he's all about a rubber nipple. So I wouldn't be surprised if Virgil Abloh went in a rubber nipple direction next season. Joel Schumacher's rolling over in his grave. All right, Kardashians. Kardashaholics Anonymous. This is a case for the FBI. <laughs> the reunion happened. I know. I can't believe we didn't watch it together. I know. I'm like obsessed with the set. This conglomeration of, of every house Chris has ever had into a set. Yeah, it was very like hard rock cafe, fashion cafe vibes with like all of the iconic outfits and like Kylie's lip kits and like all of their products sitting around and then just like a small sign that just says poosh. You know, I think when we started this podcast, we were very anti-Courtney and now I'm like, I heavily fuck with Courtney, but yeah, she- I agree. Courtney's really had a glow up. She's her personality has had a glow up, but she really needs to just be radically honest about this thing, right? Where Andy Cohen in the second part asks her what her passion is. And she's like, well, my passion isn't really selling things. My passion, I guess, is my own lifestyle. Yes, which I don't understand in these arguments a season or two ago where she's like, I don't want to do the show. I don't, you know, I just want to stay home with my kids. I don't, I just, my issue is why doesn't she just acknowledge, oh, Kim, thank you. I can spend, I can make the choice to spend all my time with my children because we have a lifestyle now where we can do that. I can just have a lifestyle website and not sell shit because I've already made millions of dollars. I don't need this shit. Yeah, no, it's, she should be transparent about it. I mean, honestly, her ambition clearly is becoming some sort of Gwyneth Paltrow type person in the culture, which I don't know if she has Gwyneth's charisma, uniqueness, nerve, talent, and work ethic, but you know, whatever. And the Venn diagram of the shit they sell and the stuff they cover is very similar. So I I don't know what the difference is other than the Calabasas. But you know what? I've been like into Kravis. You know how I know that is I was going through our every outfit feed and I'm like, what is this Kravis? Like Kravis updates. Yeah, I, I followed a um, a Courtney and Travis fan account, which is really useful because it like they post like all of their like Instagram stories and stuff that I would just never see because like, I'm not about to follow Travis or Courtney. But I'm into the overlap. Like they're both. It's like the bench that Aiden made for Carrie. Trey and Charlotte, yeah. where it's like the wood makes the other wood stronger. It's like that's they are the wood. They are that bench. That's what Travis is. Like, Courtney has a full new look, thank God. She actually looks, like, really good. Yeah. And, it, and he, like, is more appealing now that he's dating her, don't you think? Yeah, it's a real Nicole Richie, uh, Joel Madden thing where it's like, I previously did not care about either of you, but somehow the two of you together, I find myself giving a shit. Yeah. All right, other things from the Kardashian reunion worth mentioning. Chloe finally admits to some surgery one nose job and fillers is what she admitted to and she said i don't take well to botox so it's like i've had it but like i don't use it yeah but she uses again that kybella on the other hand (laughs) no we don't know that allegedly but she uses that rhetorical thing i've mentioned before where she's like you know people are out here saying i'm on my third face transplant it's like that's not what we're saying we're saying three nose jobs fillers eyebrow lift well she's on her first she has a new face now the in-between faces were not this drastic well that's the thing is they reference around mj posting the uncensored photo of chloe which is she makes reference to the fact of when the show started she didn't know that she was ugly or did not meet the (laughs) that's so rude that's what she says she didn't say i didn't know i was ugly my god okay Okay. that's harsh we are definitely part of the fucking problem when it comes to the discourse around chloe kardashian that much i can say but at the same time you can't change your full face and then gaslight us into believing that you've had one nose job and a few fillers it's like on one hand i don't 
think that we should treat women's bodies like public property just because they're famous. But on the other hand, her entire empire and brand is built on her appearance, like having a show that's literally called Revenge Body, selling good her American followers, denim. you know, fit tea and like all that shit, you know, it's like her body is her brand. So then it's like you need to have a degree of transparency about if you're having like what I would qualify as like extreme procedures right there's photographic evidence going back 13 years i mean kim and chloe have had bbls they've had brazilian butt lifts whatever you want to call it their asses like when i was on the plane i was watching old episodes of the kardashians oh that marathon was incredible which the one i saw was like very tristan thompson focused like the, Mm -hmm. the highlights of that but if kim is not photographed at the right angles her body looks mal-shaped well it's just like extreme body modification she's you know that's like amanda lapore or like you know what i mean and you can and And that's like kind of like the look of it and you can make a really heady point about that extreme beauty standards have existed in almost the beginning times of art there's the venus of whatever willendorf yeah I mean, that's essentially what Kim's body looks like. Kim's body does not look like that. That is so rude. For one thing, the Venus of Willendorf does not have a waist. That's Let true. alone like a snatched like 11 inch waist or like whatever it's at right now. I don't know. Kim has never looked better, honestly. Like I hear what you're saying, but it's like in watching that, I was like, wow, Kim looks amazing. I don't think Kris Jenner has ever looked better than she did in the reunion special. Like she looked incredible. No, they they all looked great, although they Yeah, everyone looked good. Although they all had the little John Waters lip liner mustaches. And there was so many cross necklaces. Uh Kim was wearing like two cross necklaces. Mm. Chloe was wearing a cross necklace. Kendall, Kendall was wearing a cross necklace. It was all about the cross necklace. Well, I guess I'll ask you, do you think they purport unrealistic beauty standards? I mean, a thousand percent. Because you can't look like them without having a full-time glam squad, a trainer, that vibe. I respect the fact that they work out so much like god knows i could never but they're not getting those body shapes from doing weightlifting. like that's just like not how it works i mean to be fair they're not the ones purporting unrealistic beauty standards it's the people who photoshop their photos for instagram (laughs) i wish they would take more of a dolly parton stance on it and just like really own it Instead of like backpedaling every time someone brings it up and just saying like, oh, we go to the gym. It's like, yeah, we we know you go to the gym, but like this isn't just the gym. Like you're wearing stage makeup. You know what I mean? You all have stylists and chefs and all these things. And it's it's a different lifestyle. Yeah, it's interesting in this era of celebrity and reality. And, you know, we do have the receipts that you have these uber famous people essentially gaslighting their fans and followers being like, no, we, we didn't have that stuff done. Yeah, can you imagine if Jennifer Grey was like, I never had a nose job. Like, that's what Chloe's doing, basically, by saying she had one nose job. Well, okay, th- so this is my point before we got derailed for me allegedly saying very mean things about her, which is the whole thing about that. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> the, the leaked MJ photo is, it was refreshing because... Now I do believe that maybe she only got one nose job and just has such extreme contouring makeup. Yeah. So maybe she is correct. I've seen what those kids on YouTube can do with highlighter. I mean, God knows there could be any face under there. Um, What did you think when Kendall said that actually nepotism hurt her and didn't help her in the modeling industry? I mean, look, I'm not saying that she's not beautiful, that her proportions aren't like utterly insane, but like... She has one facial expression. If you Google Kendall Jenner modeling, like you will see for yourself that she has one face, whereas Alinda Evangelista has 200 faces. She's not someone that you hire to embody a character or to really like take on the identity of a brand. You hire a Kendall Jenner because she is a brand. To say that like, I was like going to these casting calls in the middle of nowhere, it's like, I guarantee that she had to go to like Dumbo once and was like, where the fuck am I? In a, you know? in a, in a chauffeured car paid for by Kris Jenner. It's funny, something... Yeah, co- she's not like taking the subway from like Canal Street to like Midtown to like nor, go to a casting. Yeah, nor was she probably in debt like a lot of models are to their modeling agencies who 
upfront the cost for them to get out there. Can you imagine Kendall Jenner living in like model apartments with a bunch of like random Eastern Europeans? Like, I understand her need to rewrite history a little bit, but it popped up on my TikTok feed of she did an interview when she just started modeling where she was like, oh, I you know, I made this portfolio and I gave it to my mom and then my mom called a modeling agency and then, you know, they signed me. Both can be true. I understand her point that probably the very cool brands that she wanted to work with at first didn't want to work with her. The same that, you know, Kim's whole legacy with Vogue and the Met Gala. She was originally Kanye's guest and now she's like the person that you can't wait to to see what they're going to wear every year. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like her breakthrough fashion moment was like because she was in a Marc Jacobs show wearing like a sheer shirt so you can like see her tits or whatever. If you're like a third tier model, it's like you don't get cast in that show. You know what I mean? Like and that's sure. a big show to like be your first show. So a poor Chloe can't catch a break. So whenever this was filmed, what, a few weeks ago, a month ago, two months ago, who knows? She answered the question that she was definitively back with Tristan Thompson, which was a little bizarre because as the second part was airing, it was publicly announced that they had broken up again. (sighs) So embarrassing. But, you know, and it sucks because it's like he was around for the pandemic. Like, what else was he going to do? It's kind of hard to, like, have random threesomes with random girls that you meet on Instagram, like, in the middle of a pandemic. Whereas now it's like... You know, open masks open are off. Like, yeah, the club is open. Like, of course, he would go back to that. Right. You know what? Another really awkward moment was was the very end of it. They're like, "Let's do a shot of eight one eight tequila," but like Scott couldn't participate in it because they had just asked him about like being an alcoholic and like if you were sober, do you think you'd still be with Courtney? And then he just has to like sit there not drinking eight one eight as if he hasn't just downed like a bottle the previous night. And what was also weird about that is he was truly there to ask answer two questions and then was just stuck there in a chair that didn't match for 40 minutes. He had a great spray tan, though. I liked his hair. Yeah, I thought he looked good. And I thought he had a, a great, you know, Teflon answer about dating women 20 years younger than him. Yeah. And I like that he was real about, no, I actually kind of like hate when Courtney dates people. Well, yeah, he was like, I just want to fucking kill them. But I love that they all were like, oh, we fucking hated that last guy. Yeah, but I also love how, like, uh, they were like, um, Courtney, do you give Scott your blessing about his relationship with, like, whoever the fuck he's dating? What's her name? Amelia Hamlin. Amelia Hamlin. And she was basically like, I would give a blessing to, like, any bitch. Any, like, thought that wants to date this guy, like, yeah. I give my blessing was, like, kind of the subtext. When they, and I'll put they in quotes, say the best revenge is living well, like, Courtney is proof of this. Yeah. Because that is, I mean, you know that's fucking with his head the most, where it's like, she truly doesn't care what he does with his life. Yeah. Have we reached the end of Kardashian news? We have. Chloe and Tristan broke up, and I don't know what the future of this segment holds for us. I mean, they're always in the press, so I'm not too, too concerned, but until the Hulu show comes back. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure we'll have plenty of content to work from. But anyway, it's been so nice seeing you, Lauren. I know. We're going to go have some John and Vinny's and catch up some more. Love that. Bye, guys. Bye. See you next week. <laughs>